Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. All right, welcome to the second season of Influenced. My name's Blake Sokoloff. And I'm Robert Dean. And this week we're doing uh, Jenny Lewis and kind of by extension of Jenny Lewis, her first band, Rilo Kelly. Yeah, I mean, very excited about talking about Jenny Lewis on this episode and uh, her influences and influencers, kind of breaking that down a little bit. Her parents were kind of involved in the entertainment industry. Like they they got her kind of going fairly early. Like her mom was a professional singer and her, her father was also a, a musician. So they were kind of tied into the entertainment industry in, in Vegas specifically pretty early on throughout, throughout most of Jenny's early life. So they pretty quickly got her into doing what like you can kind of do with a little kid, which is like getting them into commercials and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like her, her first debut as a professional in the entertainment industry in any capacity was, was in a, a Jell-O commercial. And she ended up also going on to be like in some Barbie commercials and mm-hmm. even stuff as, as, as far as like Toys R Us. Doing that, like, kind of child modeling and child commercials and things like that, they kind of got her into some bigger gigs in terms of, in terms of just, like, child actual acting and things like that, like roles and TV shows and right. films like that. So yeah. she actually did have, like, I mean, she's, she's for the most part, because she was, like, between the age of, uh, ages of, like, 5 to 10 when these mm-hmm. were really happening for the most part it's like bit roles right uh like but she did have like a she was in a couple episodes or maybe one episode of of a uh, bay watch she was actually also in a segment of twilight zone playing a ghost and so she was kind of i, I mean they kind of her parents kind of put her on the track of being an actor and things like that so when she started getting into her teens when she actually started having some agency for herself i i don't know if acting was ever like I think she was kind of burning out on it. Yeah, she was kind of burning yeah. out on acting and also just like, I mean, which is definitely understandable given that like, I don't know if she ever really felt like she had an actual say in actually being wanting to be an actor or anything. I think she kind of feels like her parents were in the entertainment industry and kind of were looking for a way to have her. This is what you do. Money too yeah, and right. Stuff like that. So that yeah. was the way they kind of saw for her to get into the entertainment industry as well. Um, but the way, but but kind of once she was kind of a, a teenager and things like that, some of her roles sort of started slowing down a little bit um, just because she wasn't really, I mean, I don't think she was necessarily going out of her way to find too many of these roles just because it wasn't something she was loving either. 
but she was one of the kind of big things that did come out of being a child actor. She actually met the guy who would become her kind of partner in crime in Rilo Kelly and also her boyfriend for a few years. His name was Blake Sennett. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was also kind of a child actor, sort of child teen actor. He was in shows like Boy Meets World and Salute Your Shorts. And, um, like, he had a few, like, actual kind of supporting roles in those shows, but... And that's how they knew each other. Yeah, that's how, the, that's kind of how they eventually, that's how they, they, uh, met. Like, I think they technically met through another actor. Yeah. Like, uh, they were a mutual friend. But they sort of borderline grew up together as exactly. child actors, Yeah, right? they were, they were definitely on set together, probably competing for some of the same roles and going out for the same commercials and things like that, so... They kind of grew up together, and um, once they were in their kind of late teens, early, early 20s, they did sort of start putting a band together because they were kind of just young people in L.A. at the time. And so they, they put together the band that would become Rilo Kelly, and they released their first—they started releasing music in the late last couple of years of the, the 90s. Like, their first album came out in 19. 19- 1999, and uh, I'll play a track off that album real quick here. So yeah, this is the track Always off their first album. Just the It's just self-titled Rilo Kelly came out in 1999. So here is Always from Rilo Kelly. It's disguised. It's horrifying. Right before your eyes. Phantom is inside. Okay, and obviously Jenny Lewis is singing for Rilo Kylie. And and one interesting little footnote there is that when Blake Sennett asked her to join the band originally, she said no. She turned them down because if I'm not the lead singer, I'm not joining. Eventually, it obviously worked out for her to get hop on the lead vocals, and she was also doing some keyboards and kind of acoustic guitar and stuff like that while, while in Rilo Kelly as well. And um, she's always talked about how like her biggest songwriting influences tend to be older musicians more like people from the 60s through the early 80s more people people along the lines of like like Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton like she likes a lot of that like kind of classic country style stuff as well and she also really likes like just like the classic rock and roll of just like like Elvis Costello and mm-hmm. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and and bands like that and of course the Beatles and things like that but she was also really into um, some of the more contemporary singer-songwriters in the in the '90s, like like Suzanne Vega was a major major influence and um, favorite of uh, Jenny Lewis's. So I'll play I'll play obviously kind of Suzanne Vega's biggest hit, uh, her from ni- her 1987 album uh, Tom's Diner. But here's kind of just an acapella track obviously the really famous almost borderline electronic remix that got really big in the 90s of tom's diner was was a major major success but but here's tom's diner just the original from suzanne vega's album 
Um, and that this is she Suzanne Vega was definitely an artist that kind of showed Jenny you can stylize your your writing and have a very vintage songwriting style but you can still kind of keep it contemporary with the way you kind of produce and um, go about releasing your album so here's here's Suzanne Vega's Tom's Diner I am sitting in the morning at the diner on the corner. I am waiting at the counter for the man to pour the coffee. And he fills it only halfway. And before I even argue, he is looking out the window at somebody coming in. It is always nice to see you, says the man behind the counter. To the woman who has come in, she is shaking her umbrella. And I look the other way as they are kissing their hellos. And I'm pretending not to see them. And instead I pour the milk. Yeah, the acapella version of the original, actually, from Suzanne Vega. Uh, really a standout song. Definitely. I mean, you can just like, you can, I mean, obviously it's acapella. So the, the lyrics and vocal are really the only thing there in the, in the music, but you can really hear just like the, the story, the kind of vocal tone almost. It's a very like melancholic tone to that vocal that kind of just tells that whole story. And that's definitely something that like Jenny Lewis took and kind of moved it or kind of took it as, as Rilo Kelly was kind of beginning to get, get on their, um, get on their way. They were able to manage a record deal and like start touring and start playing some shows. And they actually started playing some shows with some other kind of indie bands at the, at the kind of turn of the two thousands, the early early 2000s that were also kind of making some waves at that time. Like they played um, some co-headline gigs with Death Cab for Cutie. Jen- Jenny Lewis and the uh, the members of Death Cab for Cutie are actually fairly close and have collaborated mm-hmm. on some of Jenny Lewis's solo albums, actually, in the in the coming, coming years. And Rilo Kelly was also one of the first openers for uh, some of the first shows in, in the U.S. that Coldplay actually played back off their first albums back when they were more of a of a actual indie rock band instead of a the kind of pop act they later evolved into but mm-hmm. as kind of Rilo Kelly were starting to get out and about in the indie rock kind of scene at the early 2000s they were really kind of expanding their sound and also just getting a little bit more comfortable making albums so I'm going to play a, a a track off of their second album Takeoffs and Landings um, which is kind of one of the albums that sort of saw them start to get some um, traction and um, really start to be a lot busier to go on a lot more tours, do, do, do some headlining shows of their own and things like that. So here's Go Ahead off Takeoffs and Landings from 2001 by Rilo Kelly. If you want to find yourself by traveling out west... Or if you want to find somebody else that's better, go ahead. Go ahead. If you want to buy a brand new fancy automobile, or if you want to build a place up in Coldwater Canyon, go ahead. Yeah, so Rilo Kylie uh, did have a release in 1999 that they just put out, and then Takeoffs and Landings was really their their first album on a label, but I would say their second release, just as you put it, Blake. This kind of release definitely, like, obviously that song 
much more so than the than the their earlier work in the '90s was much more like stripped back and acoustic, and actually kind of hints at sort of the um, country influence that permeates a lot of Ginny Lewis's career in both Rilo Kelly and um, her solo work. And that 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 goes back to like like we were mentioning before, like her a lot of her love of like a lot of artists like Emmylou Harris and Dolly Parton and Loretta Lynn, who I'm going to play uh, the single Coal Miner's Daughter, the uh, 1971 single Coal Miner's Daughter by Loretta Lynn here real quick. And uh, that this this music is definitely just like big on uh, Jenny Lewis and her way of kind of telling a telling a story that might not even be a necessarily a super happy story. A lot of Jenny's songs end up being kind of a melancholic or even kind of a sad story. And uh, that's definitely something that was kind of pioneered by a lot of these country singer and songwriter, like musicians like Dolly Parton and Loretta Lynn. So here's Coal Miner's Daughter from 1971 by Loretta Lynn. Here you go. My daddy worked all night in the Bandelier coal mines All day long in the field of hoeing corn Mommy rocked the babies that night And read the Bible by the coal oil light And everything would start all over come break of morn Mommy scrubbed our clothes on a washboard every day. Why well, I've seen her fingers bleed. Yeah, and the influence of Loretta Lynn on Jenny Lewis is pretty evident. I mean, it's really straightforward there because what does Jenny do? A lot of her songs, she's singing about herself and her life. Definitely. And yeah, uh, kind of definitely. some details that are pretty interesting. Definitely. And uh, she picked up on that from Loretta for sure. That song is a coal miner's daughter and like Jenny, Jenny Lewis also, especially in her in her some of her later solo work, um, has t- has talked gone in to talk a lot about her kind of relationship with her family. Mm-hmm. And um because she was kind of a child actor getting some some roles on some decently quality shows like Baywatch and the Twilight Zone and stuff, she kind of at the age of probably like ten to twelve started almost becoming like the breadwinner for her kind of family. Yeah. Which put sort of a weird relationship or gave her sort of a re- weird relationship with her with her family and her her parents had also kind of dealt with some drug issues. Yeah. As well, this was kind of this. A lot of this wouldn't necessarily start really coming out in Jenny's work until her her solo work into the later or to the early 2010s. But while Ryle O'Kelly kind of continued their um, their trek in the music industry in the early 2000s, this it was definitely something that she uh, started to explore. Like I'm going to play a, a, one of the single. single releases off of their next release which was called the execution of all things and this call this song is actually just called a better son slash daughter so it's definitely you can obviously tell that the familial kind of relationships were definitely something that was kind of already starting to seep into jenny's songwriting and um obviously her band's production and um what they were kind of putting out even as early as 2002 when the execution of all things was kind of 
happening. And I do know I uh, around kind of between the years of 2002 to 2004, like between Rilo Kelly's kind of second and third sort of major releases, um, the relationship between Blake Sennett and Jenny Lewis also sort of crumbled and they, yeah. they were no longer... They 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 sort of called it quits, I believe, after this execution of all things album. But I think, kind of, because especially when you're working together, things can get sort of messy when you're breaking up. I don't think they were officially totally not dating anymore until around 2004 or five. There might have been a few years of on again, off again, right. kind of for for a little bit. But I do think the relationship kind of deterioration between Blake. Uh, and Jenny did sort of lead to what would eventually kind of become the downturn of Rilo Kelly. But um, they still had a fair few years of just um, going at it. So so like I said before, here's a better son slash daughter off their third release and second, second release on a label, The Execution of All Things from 2002. Really interesting song. Almost sounds like a march, but, you know, uh, I don't want to skip over more Adventurous, which was their next album in 04, and actually got a lot of critical acclaim. But uh, another indicator of what Blake was just talking about in terms of uh, things starting to crumble or coming apart uh, is that her first solo album, Rabbit for Coat, came out in 06 before their, you know, Rilo Kelly's final album in 07. So things were starting to overlap a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, Jenny was, Jenny was definitely, I mean, like, you could probably, I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised if the reason Jenny wanted to go out on her own and make a solo album was because she wasn't maybe entirely happy with the way things had been going in Rilo Kelly at the time. And she's, uh, Jenny Lewis has always been a very collaborative uh, musician, even when she's making her her solo work. And her first kind of solo album, Rabbit for Coat, is actually like kind of a collaboration between Jenny Lewis and a uh, vocal group called the Watson Twins. It's obviously just two two siblings who are who obviously like siblings can kind of just have a have a vocal chemistry on like kind of anything else. So Jenny Lewis was uh, I think they had done some touring together like the Watson Twins had played some shows with Rilo Kelly and the Watson Twins were also kind of similar to Rilo Kelly sort of a an indie country band like they had a little bit of country influence while also being sort of an indie rock group. So they they got together and made the Rabbit for Coat album kind of in the middle, kind of in between some Rilo Kelly tours. Like they had just finished wrapping up the um, album, their 2004 album. Uh, more Adventurous. Yeah, More Adventurous, which we we played that. We played the big hit from that on our kind of opening of the podcast. But between the... Uh, the finishing the tour and um, the kind of getting into the studio with Rilo Kelly next, um, Jenny snuck off and made this album with the Watson Twins. And here I'm going to play um, the song You Are What You Love, um, which was written 
um, by the by the group. But here's here's Jenny Lewis and the Watson Twins with "You Are What You Love" off of Rabbit Fur Coat from 2006. When I'm with you, I'm looking for a ghost or invisible reasons to fall out of love or run screaming from our home. Cause we live in a house of mirrors, we see our fears and everything, our songs, faces in second hand clothes. But more and more, we're suffering, not nobody, not a thousand beers will keep us from feeling so all alone. But you are what you Really great uh, solo album uh, debut by her. A couple of other things. You mentioned Death Cab for Cutie. Um, ben Gibbard plays yep. uh, on this album with her. On, they covered uh, Handle With Care. And and you've got M. Ward on there. And then those background vocals with the Watson twins are, are great. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and I mean, it definitely kind of, I think Jenny's, I mean, Jenny's solo work has always been a little bit more... Um, I guess just about the vocals, like obviously with with yeah. Rilo Kelly, she's she's singing with a with a rock band who's also always trying to get their two cents in the song. But with yeah. her solo work, she can kind of make the songs all about her lyrics and her vocals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely one of the reasons that working solo is kind of attractive to to Jenny. Kind of after after that album, um, after her first solo album, Rabbit, she did go back to Rilo Kelly for one more kind of full-length LP. They actually managed to get signed to Warner Brothers Records for this LP kind of because I think a little bit of her, um, a little bit of prestige that they got from her solo oh, yeah. career kind of helped helped with that a little bit. It does kind of seem like like listening to this album, like the lead single and kind of biggest song on this album is just called uh, Silver Lining, which just definitely sort of feels like the something you might title a song if you knew it was kind of going to be your band's last album or the last album for for a long time so i'm going to play silver lining off of under the black light the uh 2007 album from rilo kelly Well, they had a good run, right? I don't think they officially broke up. Like, that album came out in 2007, and yeah. I don't think they officially broke up until the early kind of 2010s. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, like, 2011, if I remember. Yeah, like 2011 or 12. Like, they ended yeah. up, they did end up putting out, like, one last album in the early 2010s that was kind of a compilation of 
I think, unreleased tracks, and then they might have gotten back together to finish off one or two extra little songs. And a few members of Rilo Kelly have always said that they would love to write with Jenny again. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too surprised if in a few years no. Rilo Kelly were to do that could happen. tour, yeah. another album or something. They don't seem like they have too much horrible blood or anything, right. but it just it just mo- mainly seems like Jenny's mostly thinking about her solo work and uh, the regular drummer for Rilo Kelly as actually still kind of Jenny Lewis is one of Jenny Lewis's regular drummers when she goes on tour and things like that. So she's obviously still familiar with with the members of that band and they obviously still get along fairly well. It just kind of seems like the the band might have run its course for yeah. for the time being, but she's always been someone who loves collaboration yeah. with with just whoever she can kind of collaborate with even if it's just doing some backing vocals on a song like and throughout her solo career in the last like kind of decade or so she's done backing vocals on um albums by Elvis Costello, Paul Schaefer from from yeah. David Letterman's band. Uh she's they she's even popped up on the newest Vampire Weekend album on their song 2021. She does some backing vocals on on that track. Um but I'm going to I want to play real quick just one of her more notable collaborations. Um we've actually we've actually played this song if you're a fan of the podcast and listen to our first season with with Elvis Costello because Elvis Costello and Jenny Lewis are are great friends. Uh, they collaborated on a couple things in 2008. One on a Jenny Lewis album, Jenny Lewis kind of duets with Elvis Costello on her song Carpetbaggers which I'm going to play. Um, in just a second here, but she also, Jenny Lewis also does some backing vocals on, I think one, maybe even two or three tracks on a album that Elvis Costello and the Imposters released in 2008 as well. So they were definitely bouncing some ideas off each other in the studio and they, they co-performed this, this song Carpetbaggers together. So, so here's Carpetbaggers by, by Jenny Lewis and Elvis Costello off her 2008 album, Acid Tongue. Great to hear that song again in season two for the second time. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and, and you know, a couple of things that the, you know, some of the critics, from what I understand, kind of knocked this album a little bit because of over collaboration, which huh. I don't know if if you got a problem with that, but most people didn't because it charted uh, twenty two in the United States. Oh yeah, definitely. It was definitely one of Jenny's kind of bigger bigger sellers at that point. I'm also gonna like I, I mentioned it. Going into going into carpetbaggers, but I do just want to kind of just because it's only the song itself is only a minute and a half long. But uh, yeah, this is 2021 with 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 uh, Jenny Lewis on some backing vocals uh, right here. So here's 2021 by Vampire Weekend from Father of the Bride.
it's a matter of Great too. But yeah, it's definitely not like typical place you would maybe expect her to pop up, especially given that like the vocal, the backing vocals on that song are so affected. But like it is kind of cool to hear hear Jenny Lewis pop up on some Vampire Weekend and also obviously just goes to kind of show that she's obviously probably pretty fun to have in the studio yeah. given how many people want to work with her. Yeah, oh, she's in demand for sure. Definitely. And she's also ever since that last Rilo Kelly album um, she's been, she was, she's also been, uh, signed to the Warner brothers record label with it, which has also kind of given her mm-hmm. the, uh, resources and also just like the, the backing that she would need for some of these higher profile things. And also just like, she's able to kind of work with whoever she wants in terms of just like getting the kind of the best people to play on her albums. I'm actually going to play an, a song from her 2019 album on the line, which is her most recent full length LP at the moment but this this first song called just heads gonna roll but this song features pretty insane just cast of of musicians on it it features ben montench who's one of the kind of founding members of tom petty and the heartbreakers Mm -hmm. and this song also features a uh kind of unique dual drum um performance from both um Jim Keltner, who's one of the biggest kind of session musicians around, like has played Pretty with Steely everybody. Dan, played with a ton of a ton of uh, just artists. And then the second drummer on this song is kind of the one and only uh, Ringo Starr. Um, I don't know if he needs much introduction, but I'm going to play uh, Head's Gonna Roll um, by by Jenny Lewis off her most recent album, On the Line. Um, also, again, released in 2019 on Warner Brothers Records. Um, so here's Head's Gonna Roll. I'm glad you played that song, Blake. I mean, on the line is what can you say? I mean, just uh, front to back, end to end. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic a album. Great album. Uh, and and to your earlier point, um, a lot of references to her parents, particularly her mother, definitely in, in yeah. that throughout that album. Definitely, I I do think recently. I don't want to say for sure, but I think her mother has had some kind of health issues in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like put their relationship more at Jenny, the forefront of Jenny's life, which yeah. is kind of why she was reflecting on that kind of relationship. And I mean, that, that album kind of reflects a lot of her just general parental relationship mm-hmm. as well. <clears throat> I'll also play a quick snippet uh, from another song off this album, uh, Little White Dove, that definitely very obliquely deals with her parental relationship, especially with her mom. Was it a dream? In the valley below A mother and child Emergency Behind a yellow curtain On the second floor 
It's a fantastic album, and it, it's definitely been um, one of her most successful as a as a solo artist. Um, it's actually given, it's actually gotten her some attention from some of the like kind of biggest, even pop stars, kind of of the uh, kind of current scene. She's actually got a very notable fan, and um, <laughs> as actually kind of rubbed off some influence on him a little bit um, in in Harry Styles, the former former member of One Direction, who's kind of gone solo in the last five or six years and who's his his solo work has kind of always been i guess represented by him kind of drawing a lot from the past like he draws a lot he 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 uses a lot of real musicians in the studio which isn't necessarily the um mainstream with with massive massive pop projects and stuff like that so he's Harry Styles has got definitely kind of gone back to a lot of Jenny Lewis's influences like that that mm. sign of late 60s early 70s almost a little country rock kind of folk rock sound i would i would imagine that like and especially given that harry styles is um has been having jenny lewis kind of open up for him on on his most recent tour and uh they're they're playing shows together into the next year so that's a it's definitely seems like a relationship that's been very beneficial to jenny like it gets her in playing stadiums in front of a ton of teenagers who have been enamored by her music recently yeah and uh she started to actually get some get some um traction on on apps like tiktok and things like harry styles has talked up jenny lewis in a number of interviews just being like oh yeah she's really influential to me and i hope like when i take her on tour people are exposed to her amazing music so i'm gonna play uh watermelon sugar one of the lead singles off harry styles newest album from 2019 called fine line which he's kind of just on tour now with with now because of delays and stuff because of the pandemic but but he's taken jenny on his whole tour and i think they've got like i said shows shows together throughout the throughout the next year so here's watermelon sugar off of harry styles newest album fine line i don't know if i could a great example of influencing right just oh definitely i mean even just the production of that song watermelon sugar almost sounds a little bit like the or it sounds to me honestly fairly similar to the production on on the line like the the big acoustic guitars and the um like the the actual organs and things like that that you don't necessarily hear and a lot of pop songs these days a lot of pop songs are replacing their organs and pianos with 
yeah. with synthesizers and things like that. Like I, I love a good synth track, but but it's very <laughs> cool to hear hear some organs and things like that popping up on an actual like a song with over a billion plays on Spotify. That's right. not necessarily something you you see all the all the time these days. And it's it's pretty cool that that Harry Styles is kind of taking some influence from some of the more underground artists and just people who have been more kind of in the indie scene instead of just the the mainstream kind of area where he's mm-hmm. existed his whole his whole musical career and it definitely just goes to show the kind of far-reaching influence that Jenny Lewis has had on so much music these days. I kind of want to end on her actually most recent song. Uh, it's likely going to be kind of a single. I don't know if she's really, she hasn't really announced any official album yet, but this this uh, single is allegedly going to be the uh, one of the singles from an as-of-yet released Jenny Lewis album, and I do know that just kind of from social media and Instagram and stuff, I follow Ben Montench from the Heartbreakers, or her yeah. her, ba- her main keyboardist for On the Line, and he I know he's been in the studio with Jenny over the last year or so, so she's definitely gearing up for some stuff, and I'm sure she's gotten a little sidetracked with her with her tour for Harry Styles, so mm. she might be kind of concentrating on that right now. But but this new song is called Puppy in a Truck, and it kind of the lyrics just kind of go over like how she's been feeling the last like year and a half. Like she talks sure. about like she she talks about 2020 and kind of being in her early 40s, kind of in this in this decade and what that kind of means for her. And it's pretty it's very interesting to hear her kind of talk about kind of aging in the music industry when she's actually kind of on sort of a, a new path to discovery with with all these with a generation of Harry Styles fans kind of coming upon Jenny Lewis. So it's very cool to hear her kind of continue to stay introspective while also playing some of her biggest shows ever with with an artist like Harry Styles. So here's Puppy in a Truck off of uh, <laughs> the un the un released um jenny lewis fourth solo album so thank you guys so much this has been influenced and this has been jenny lewis and she's she's one of my favorites and so i hope i hope you've learned something about her this episode and here's puppy on a truck from 2021 released by jenny lewis here you go thanks so much for listening this has been influenced my 40s are kicking my ass Handing them to me in a margarita class I was infatuated with an older man And then I dated a psychopath So I'm 44 and 2020 Thank God I saved up some money Like a shot of 